Well, I should preach this morning. It's 11.22, so I'll have to cut some stuff out of my sermon if I can. But I can't. if I can, I'll preach anyway. <laughs> if you have your Bibles, take them and turn to Matthew chapter 1. I want to share one verse of Scripture with you this morning. Matthew chapter 1, and we're going to look at verse 23. Matthew chapter 1. Verse 23, Father, thank you. Lord, I I don't want to go another step further without just saying thank you for who you are and for the many gifts that you have bestowed upon us. The greatest gift, Lord, that you have ever given us is the gift of your Son, Jesus Christ, who came into this world to save sinners. And Lord, like the Apostle Paul, I could agree that I was one of the chief sinners Until you gave me grace. And I'm so thankful to you today. And now for the next few moments as we turn our attention toward you, I pray, Lord God, that you will speak to us in such a way that it will change us dynamically and drastically in our lives. Change our circumstances. Let us know that you are among us and with us. And that you can do anything that we can believe you for. I ask you to do it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Matthew chapter 1 verse 23 says, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Aren't you glad to know that God is with us today? Amen. You know, they tell me that that from the time of Thanksgiving all the way through the end of the year, New Year's, is one of the most depressing times of the year for most people. I don't know why it is. I don't know if it brings back memories of lost love or lost loved ones, or if it just brings up this sense of loneliness or Uh, This sense of discouragement, but they say that between Thanksgiving and New Year's is one of the most depressing and discouraging times of the year. Now, I I don't know how you feel about it, but I, I can relate to that to some degree until I fix my mind upon the reality that we can be thankful at Thanksgiving for the reality that Jesus came at Christmas and came to be with us and that New Year's then gives us a new opportunity to live our lives in a very different way. I'm thankful that God is with us. But it's in this time of the year that many people ask questions like this. Where is God when I really need him? Or why does it seem that God is so far away? Well, let me just tell you this morning, God is not far away from you. You may think that he is. And you may live your life like he is a long way away from you. But if you don't get anything else out of this message today, you need to go away from this place with an understanding that God will never leave you nor forsake you. He is with us. He is with you every day, everywhere you go. 
I don't, rem- I don't know if you remember, but a few years ago, there was this game uh, that came with a series of books that uh, many of our kids played with and looked at probably for countless hours, but it's called Where's Waldo? How many of you remember Where's Waldo? Do you have, you have a picture for me, John? Yeah, Where's Waldo? Now, when I first started looking at this, I just thought that's just absolute chaos, you know, I look at all those people there, and, and I mean, they're crowded in. There's not just that. They're not just people, but there's animals, and, and there's dessert. That's what always caught my attention was, was the pies and the cake and the cookies and things like that, animals and all of that. But, but always, Waldo is in one of those pictures, and the point is to try to discover where is Waldo. Now, how many of you ever played that game with your kids? Can I see your hands? I, 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 I'm very impatient. This game drove me crazy. It, it would almost cause me to lose my sanctification. I, I just, I can't, you know, it, it, my OCD just kicks in and it's like, I can't handle this. But Waldo is there. Sometimes you can't see him. Sometimes it looks like that he's somewhere off in the distance. Sometimes he's little, and sometimes he's bigger. Sometimes uh, he is in a crowd, and sometimes he's just standing out there all by yourself. And I know that many of you are looking to see if you can find him before we take this picture down. But trust me when I tell you that Waldo is there. And if you seek him, and if you look for him, you will discover Waldo is there. Can I just tell you that's the message I want you to get today about Jesus Christ. The prophet all the way back in Isaiah chapter 9 said, There's coming a day when a child shall be born and they shall call his name Emmanuel. And then you get into the book of Matthew and Matthew says, The angel came to Joseph and he said, Your your wife is going to conceive and that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. So don't be afraid of that. And I want you to call his name Jesus and the scripture says they called him Jesus but then he referenced the prophetic that came in Isaiah that said they shall call his name Emmanuel which means God with us I'm glad to know that God is with us you might be saying okay smarty pants If God is here, where is he? Show me. I can't see him. I can't touch him. I can't feel him. I don't know where he is. Well, let's talk about the place of his presence. Now, theologians will say it simply like this, that God is omnipresent. That's a theological term that just simply means that God is everywhere. There is nowhere where God is not. He is always there. It it dawned on me this week, and I asked myself this question. Has it ever dawned on you that God never has to go anywhere? Did it ever dawn on you? Now, when I have to go somewhere, I begin planning in advance. You know what? Are we going to eat? Because if we're not going to eat, I need to eat before I go. Because I'm not going anywhere without eating. You know what I'm saying? 
Is this going to be casual? Is it going to be dressy casual? Is it going to be dressy? I mean, is it a pajama party? I mean, what is, is it a pizza party? What is it? I got I to get ready, you know? And then I start talking to Donna three days in advance about whether or not she'll be ready. Now, we're going to leave Saturday at 5 o'clock. Will you be ready? It drives her crazy. She's always ready. But at this point, I do it just to frustrate her because I've been her husband for 38, 39 years now. And, and so I know I can get away with it. I mean, it might irritate her a little bit, but I'm just so easy to love. She'll have to forgive me sooner or later. Are you going to be ready? You going to be ready? You going to be ready? What time do you get, need to get up in the morning? I know she's not going to set an alarm, so I have to set the alarm for her. And so we start getting ready. What are you going to wear? I asked her yesterday, what are we going to wear? We're going to this party tonight. What should I wear? What do I need to wear? What do I need to wear? That looks good. Yeah, that do that. And when we're getting ready, we're getting our mind ready. We're ready to go. Ever dawn on you that God never goes through that process. God never looks over at Jesus and says, what time am I supposed to be there now? I need to know for sure because I need to know what time to show up and all that. Uh, you know, I, that's a Saturday. That's not good for me because, you know, I have to show up at churches all across the world on Sunday morning. And if I go out on Saturday night, I'll be too tired to bless anybody on Sunday. So I can't really do that. And so I better not. I, no, I can't. No, God never thinks like that. God is never late. God is always on time because he never had to come there in the first place. He was just always there. He is here right now. Right, some of you thought, well, I need to go to church today because I need to connect with God. Guess what? Fooled you. You didn't have to come here today to meet with God. He's here and the scripture does say that we should gather together and especially in the last days before he's, before he's coming. But you didn't have to come here to meet with God knowing you woke up in the morning. He was there. And, and when you walked down the hall to brush your teeth, uh, he was there. When you came in these doors, he was there. He's here. He is always everywhere. God is omnipresent. Amen. He's always there. Do you ever think about the fact that God never has to brush his teeth? God never has to comb his hair. He never has to get a haircut because he's ready to go. Adrian Rogers said it like this. So he said, there is not a movement, but he sees it. A motive, but he knows it. Nor a murmur, but he hears it. Death, distance, or darkness cannot hide you from God. It's either thrilling or threatening, a threatening thought, depending on your relationship to God. Listen, for those of you who are living in sin, it's probably a threatening thought to think that God is always there, that there's an all-seeing eye watching me. But listen, for the child of God, those uh, who have been washed in his blood, cleansed by him, given salvation, sanctified by, filled with his holy presence, I'm telling you, it's not a threatening thing at all. It's a thrilling thing to realize that every second of every moment of every day that I am in the presence of a holy God. Amen. Give him praise in the house today. Yeah. 
The psalmist said it like this in Psalm 139, verses 7 through 12. He said, where shall I go from your spirit? Where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me and the light about me be night, even the darkness is not dark to you. Amen. The night is bright as the day for darkness is as light with you. He's everywhere. The best way that I know how to explain it to you is just simply the air that we breathe. There's air everywhere. Reach out and grab a handful of air right now. Just reach out with your other hand and grab a handful of air. I mean, there's air everywhere. Now, I know that man can create environments where there is no air because they have to vacuum all of the air out of the container. But otherwise, there is air everywhere. Aren't you glad for that? I'm glad that there's air everywhere. Take a big, deep breath, if you will. That air that you just tried to grab just went inside of you. Now, let it all out. Just... Uh, some of you didn't brush your teeth this morning. I could. No, I'm just kidding. That air that was in you just came out of you. Air is everywhere. You can't see it. You can't touch it. You can't really feel it. I mean, the air is just there. There's never a time that the air is not there. And if there is ever a time that the air is not there, guess what? We're dead meat. The air is everywhere. And God is saying to us, I'm sending Emmanuel to you. He will be the revelation of me in the sense that you will know that no matter where you are, I am there too. I know some of you are thinking, well, didn't Jesus leave? Wasn't he crucified and they laid him in a tomb and he rose again? And see, that's the part that you're discounting because he did rise again and he did ascend into the heavenlies. But the scripture tells us that he ever lives to make intercession for the saints of God. Well, how does he do that? He told us how he was going to do it. He said, the father is going to send another one just like me and he will live in you. He is the Holy Spirit. Amen. And he lives within us. I'm thankful for that today. So we've talked about the place of his presence. Let me talk to you about the power in his presence. Let me tell you something. Some of you need to stop walking around like this. I don't know if I'm going to make it or not today. Doom, despair, and agony on me. If it weren't for bad luck, I'd have no luck at all. Doom, despair, and agony on me. How many of you remember that old song of the church? Actually, that might have been on Hee Haw. I'm not sure. I know people that live every day of their lives like that. Well, it's another day, praise Jesus. 
I'm so thankful. And and they just grumble and they grumble and they grumble because they have not yet understood the reality that if you are a child of God, there's nothing too hard for him. There's no place you can go, nothing you can do that is outside of the power of God that lives and dwells within you. All things are possible to those who believe. Amen. See, when you're discouraged, he will, he will hand you joy. When you are in darkness, he will supply the light. When things don't make sense and you can't understand, he will give you knowledge and wisdom in that situation. I, I, not long ago, uh, I was trying to put another hole in my belt. I'm, I'm, I'm going to have to put another one in there because I'm struggling to keep these up this morning for some reason. But I need to put another hole in my belt. Well, I've got this little tool in my toolbox that is a hole punch. It, it, it really, it's pointed on the end and it's one of these old timey things. My dad used to have it and I, I take that hole punch and it's a leather punch and put it on my belt and get my hammer and smack it a few times. And you have to make sure that there's nothing underneath the leather because when it goes through, uh, it's going to put a hole in whatever, yeah, whatever is underneath. And that's the way I've always hole punched my belts. You say, why don't you just go buy another one? What? And spend money? I don't ever buy a new belt until I've got at least three extra holes in it. How about you? But I was with my father-in-law one day, and I and I needed another I needed another a hole in my belt to keep my britches up. And I said, "Hey, you got a hole punch?" So I, I I do, but I don't remember where it's at. What do you need one for? I said, "Well, I need to put another hole." He said, "You don't need no hole punch." He walks over to the side and he picks up this electric drill and puts a bit in it and he comes over. He said, here, let me put a hole. I said, wait a minute. Let me get the belt off before we start drilling the hole. And I took the belt off and I said, but it's still going to go through and mess up your workbench. He said, no, here's how you do it. And he put, his, he put one end of the belt where the buckle was on the ground. And he stepped on it and he grabbed the other end of the belt and he held it up. And he got the power drill and he said, watch. And he put it back on and he said, see if that works. I mean, it worked beautifully. I will never use a leather punch again. I will forever for the rest of my life grasp the wisdom and the knowledge of my father-in-law. And I will cut holes in my belt with a power drill until the day that I die. And if any of you need an extra hole, come by and see me. I'm good at it. I can drill it out for you. What am I trying to say? I'm trying to say there are things that we face in life and we try to deal with a contemporary problem in a traditional way. We try to deal with a problem of today using the methods of the church from yesterday. Listen, the reason that some of you are not walking successfully and victoriously is because you're trying to hold on to some method that no longer works. What you need to do is allow the knowledge and the wisdom of God to settle in on you so that you can see things differently than you've ever seen them before. 
When you are lonely, he'll let his presence be felt. When you are worried, his presence will calm you. When you are tempted, he will provide a way of escape. I was tempted and I sinned this week. That's right, I did. Don't look at me like I've gone crazy or you either one. I bet you, you might have too. You never know. I misrepresented the Lord this week. I went to the dentist on Thursday. And my appointment was at 8 a.m. And I was the first person there. I was the first person in the driveway. I was the first person in the waiting room. Put my name down before anybody else. And at 8 o'clock, with time for my appointment, they came out and said, we've got to have a staff meeting. And said, we'll be out in a few minutes. About 10 minutes later, they came out. And while they were having their staff meeting, about 15 other people came in. Put their name on the list underneath my name. They were in the parking lot after I was there. They came in after I was there. They put their name on the list after my name. And guess who was the last one to go in? I said, I can handle this, God. This is no problem at all. I can do this. Not about several minutes later, they came and they got me, and I thought, praise the Lord. See there, that wasn't all that bad at all. They took me back to the back. They said, this is your seat for the next little bit, Mr. Baker. Make yourself comfortable. I made myself comfortable. I sat back. They put one of those dainty little things on me so I would not slobber on myself, either before the procedure or after. And I'm sitting there, and I'm waiting. No dentist. I'm waiting. No dentist. I'm waiting. No dentist. Then a little lady came, came in and she said, Mr. Baker, I hate to break the news to you, but the dentist got stuck in traffic. traffic. He's not here yet, but he's on his way. No problem, God. I can handle this. I can do it. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And I sat there and I got my phone out and I answered a few emails and I texted a few people, been missing you at church. Where are you? Love you. Just want you to know I've been praying for you. I'm doing all this in the dentist. I said, there's no problem at all. At 9 30, the dentist came in. And I, no problem, I can do this. Open your mouth. He opens my mouth. He looks in there and he said, oh, I see. We need to do this. He said, you're going to have to make an appointment for a month from now and then another appointment two months from now and then we'll get this all fixed up. I'm done. Nice to meet you. See you later. And so I got up. They said, you need to go make your two appointments. And I went in and I met the little lady who does the appointments. And, and I, at this point, I'm still feeling good, pretty good about life. And they said, well, I can't get you in when he said it's going to be a couple of weeks later. And then whatever. And I said, and then she said, and we got to schedule you for an hour for the procedure. And just like that, I said to her, does that include the hour and a half that I will have to wait to have the procedure in the first place? Because if it doesn't include that, you should pencil me in for two and a half hours rather than one. And then I went, ha, 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 ha. I thought I was being really funny. And she kind of giggled a little bit. And she put my name down and handed me the car and I went outside and I got in the car and I sat down. And the ever-present God, Emmanuel, God with us, gave me a, a rousing applause. 
for losing it. I was so convicted. I felt so bad. I mean, I felt like I, I have misrepresented God and I don't know anything about this lady. Who knows? Maybe she was thinking about giving her life to Jesus Christ and now I have spoiled it because I smarted my mouth off to her and now the only thing she can think about is, oh, if he thinks he was late this time, you wait till next time. So what'd you do, pastor? I said, Father... I acknowledge the fact that I failed today and I'm going to make it right. And I got home and I took my phone out and I called and she would not take my call. So I thought, well, just call me back, you know. And so when she, she told me, she said, I saw it was you. She said, but I knew we'd already done the appointment, but I, I can get back. So I'm back to you now. You know, when she got back to me now was at the end of the day when she was getting ready to go home. And she said, how can I help you? I said, well, you really can't. I said, I'm just calling because I need to apologize to you. And she got real quiet. I said, I... I misrepresented the hope of Jesus Christ that is in me. I said, I, I was a smart aleck today. I said, I, I, out of my frustration, I said something to you that I should have never said to you. I know that you work hard for your money, and I know that you're faithful to this office, and I know that you're doing what they pay you to do, and I just really, I made your day, I'm sure, a lot worse than it could have been, and I would like to apologize to you. She said nothing. And I thought, maybe she hung up on me. And I said, are you there? She said, yes. I said, do I need to repeat any of that? No. I said, we're good then, right? She said, I have never in all of my years working in this job ever had somebody call me and apologize to me for treating me in a bad way. She said, I'm absolutely flabbergasted. And then you know how it is, you start saying, I feel pretty good about myself now. And humility goes out the window and you start feeling proud. It didn't change the fact that I had acted poorly. I had said and done wrong. And I need the ever-present help of the Holy Spirit to remind me that I am representing Him in this earth. And my actions and my words are important. So when I talk about Emmanuel, God with us, there are a lot of good things that happen when he is in our presence. And one of them is that he, con he, he convinces us and convicts us of our sin so that we can make it right and we can move to another level. Now I need to quit. So come help me if you will, please. Please. The practice. So what do we do with that? What do we, how do we deal with the fact that everywhere I go, God is? How do I deal with that? I want to give you three suggestions real quick. First of all, make up your mind to consciously think about and be aware of his presence. Constantly think about his presence. Psalm chapter 46 and verse 10 says, Be still. 
and know that I am God. How many of you know that we live in a noisy world? I mean, we, we really do. We live in a noisy world. And if it's not noise, it's distractions. This thing right here that was created to make our lives easier and better has cursed many of us because we're addicted to it. We can gather for Christmas holiday or Thanksgiving holidays and we get, we get to the table or we're sitting in the room and the majority of us are sitting right here. You say, well, I'm connecting with someone in Baldosta, Georgia. Well, good for you. What about that person right next to you that put forth the effort to come and be with you? I don't know if you have an iPhone or an Android, but the iPhone just updated their software and it has an automatic feature now that will not allow you to text when you're driving. If you try to turn it on, it will say that I can't do that while you're driving. And me, I said, don't tell me what I can't do. I'll show you I can do it. And then I thought, you know, that could be a good thing. And I pitched my phone off to the side and thought there ain't nothing probably so important that I can't check it when I get where it is that I'm going. And I left it on my phone. And so there have been a few times that people try to get in touch with me and it sends this nice little message to the person who tried to text me and said, I'm sorry, I cannot text with you right now because I'm driving my car. I will check with you later. And I thought, praise God that God is smart enough to deal with Apple employee who would say there will be days when Rob Baker needs to get quiet and shut his mouth and turn his mind off so that he can hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. Sometimes we just need to get quiet and be still and know that he is God. Secondly, carry on a conversation with him. Can can you do that? Yeah. Hey, God, how you doing today? Hey, come on, Boomer, let's go outside. We'll we'll take a walk this morning. Hey, sun's coming up. Man, God, you did a great job today. I'm telling you, that sun coming up over the horizon, oh, that's beautiful. Hey, Boomer, look at the sun. Doesn't it look pretty? Man, it's good. God is going to show off again today. Man, it's a beautiful day in the neighborhood. It's a beautiful day in the neighborhood. A beautiful day in the neighborhood. Talk to him. Convert. How? When? I don't want to see your hands. When's the last time you actually talked to God? Morning. How you doing? Doing all right? Thank you for all that you've done for me. I don't know why it is even that we have to look up. He's right here. He's in me. I don't have. I just say, God, I'm telling you, you've been a good God today. What a good, good father you are. Oh, God, you've been good. Said people think I'm crazy. You are crazy. I'm crazy. But that's okay. We have faith in this God that he is here. He is among us. I like another quote that Adrian Rogers made. He said, have you ever heard anybody say, well, you know, my prayers never get above the ceiling. He said, that's the problem. God is underneath the ceiling. 
so you don't have to shoot your prayers into outer space space for him to hear them. I love that. Why are you trying to shoot your prayers to outer space? God's underneath the ceiling. He's here. He's with us. And then finally, develop a spirit of praise. Psalm 22 and verse 3 says that God is enthroned upon the praise of his people. How many of you have heard preachers, and I've said it too, worship leaders say, he inhabits the praises of his people. Have you ever heard that? Theologically, that's incorrect. He doesn't have to come to where you are to inhabit where you are praising. What the scripture literally means is, is that when the people of God begin to praise him, then it establishes his kingship and his rulership in your heart. And it sends a message to the devil and everyone else that God is enthroned upon my praises. And so when you're having a bad day and things are going terribly for you, sometimes you need to just establish the fact that he is still on the throne. He is enthroned on our praises. Let me tell you, when you start praising God, when you start lifting him up, when you start glorifying the name of Jesus, when you start telling him how good he is, when you start thanking him for all of the the things that he has done in your life, uh, then you can begin to sense uh, that he's in charge of the show. It begins to show your spirit uh, that all those bad things that you've been talking about, they are outweighed uh, by the good things that God is doing in your life. Some of us just need to start to say, well, i got to come to church to do that. No. Praise Him every day. Praise Him every way. Glorify Him wherever you are. Give Him the praises that He rightfully deserves because He is a good God and He is worthy to receive your praise. Will you stand with me this morning? somebody says something to you that kind of lifts you up and encourages you, doesn't it, doesn't it make you want to do something for them? Years ago, I, I bought for Christmas, I bought my mother this big spoon and this big fork. And I bought it at Ben Franklin. How many of you remember those? I didn't have a driver's license. I'm still very young. I was on my Stingray bicycle. And I was driving with one hand and I had a fork and a spoon over over my shoulder driving through town. And they're probably three feet high. I went home, wrapped them up, gave them to my mom for Christmas. And they always hung in our house, always, until they moved in with me when we came to Louisville. And she brought that spoon and that fork here because my dad said Alzheimer's patients need to be able to connect with their environment. And they, she has always connected with that spoon and fork. So we need to bring them and to display them in the house. So we, 
we hung them in our house. When she passed away, we took them down and put them in the closet. And not long ago, our grandson Ben came in and he said, hey, he said, when you and Grammy die, he said, I want the fork and the spoon. So everybody always says what it is they want when somebody dies. All I want is the fork and the spoon. And it just struck me that, I don't know, maybe it's dumb or maybe it's stupid or maybe he needs some kindling. I don't know. But he has some connection to that. And it's something that he wants. And you know what? It makes me feel like I want him to have them. I, he, he, he has some connection to them. I want him to have that fork and that spoon. And guess who's going to get them when I die? It may be a while, but I'm not planning on dying yet. Here's the point I'm trying to make. The communication between Benjamin and me over that spoon and that fork made me realize that he has a connection there and he would like to have that in his life. And it dawned on me that's so exactly the way that it is with God. When we begin to have that conversation with him and say, God, I, I, I have no peace in my life. I, I need some peace. I, I have no joy in my life. I, I need for you to provide joy. Lord, I need for you to bring resources into my life. I have nothing. There is no hope unless you step into the picture. Guess what? It is there that God, where he is enthroned, begins to manifest blessings into our lives because he wants you to be blessed because he loves you. I want to ask you to do something this morning. I'd like for you to come all the way across the aisles if you would and just fill the aisles and take the hand of the person that's next. Just everybody row by row, just, just come across. I'm not calling you necessarily to come up front. Just row by row. Come across. Pastor, I yeah, I don't, I don't feel, I can't feel him. I can't, I can't, I can't touch him. I'm not, I'm not sure where he is. Let me tell you something that the Scripture says about all of us. We, you, and me, are the body of Christ. That person that you're holding hands with, they represent the body of Christ. When I take the hand of Paul Pence, I'm connecting with a brother in Christ that has a similar relationship with my Savior as I do. And we, we gather in fellowship. He represents the body of Christ. Where were you born? Louisville, Kentucky. Lynette, Alabama for me. Where were you born? Louisville, where were you born? Liberia. I like that. Where were you born? Liberia, Louisville, Fort Knox. 
Stoopingville, Ohio. How about you? Fort Knox, Louisville, 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 New Haven, Fairbanks, Alaska. Where? Pikeville, Kentucky, Liberia. What color is your skin? Black? What color is yours? White, 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 white. Your hair's red. Colors your skin. Black, yours, yours, white. Me too. But yet, we are all in the body of Christ. We are all the same in the eyes of the Lord. And therefore, we should be the same in the eyes of everyone else. Because we are the body of Christ. As we close this morning, here's what I feel so deeply in my spirit. I believe that there are men and women in this house today that you're struggling with feeling alone. There are people all around you, but you feel lonely. It feels like that you're in this all by yourself. Let me remind you that you are not alone. The body of Christ is all around you. The body of Christ at Highview Baptist. The body of Christ down at the Church of Christ body of Christ is all around you. But not only is the body of Christ around you, God Himself is with us. This Christmas, don't lose track of that. God is with us. God is with us. God is with us. Therefore, I don't have to be alone and I don't have to be lonely. something for me this morning. Would you pray for the person on your right and on your left? So I don't know what they need prayer for. Let the Holy Spirit pray through you. He knows all about their need and He is able to meet it today. Do you believe that today? Let's pray together. Father, in Jesus' lovely name, we come to you right now and I'm asking you, Lord, to touch our brothers and sisters in Christ, those of who, who are beside us on our right and on our left. Lord, I may not know what their need is, but Father, I know that you know. You know all things. Not only are you omnipresent, but you are omniscient, which means you know all things. So God, I pray that in the name of Jesus that you will touch them and minister to them. Father, I pray that that if they need healing in their bodies, that you will provide healing for them. By your stripes, we are healed. We know that. Lord, I pray that you would give the doctors and the nurses wisdom and knowledge, divinely touch them and heal them. Lord, I know that you're able to do that. For those who need a touch of joy today, I pray that you'll restore the joy of your salvation to them today and that you would allow them to laugh during this holiday season, to enjoy family, to enjoy life, to enjoy the meal, to enjoy the gifts, to enjoy the fellowship of those who are around them. Lord, I pray that those who have financial needs in their life, will you touch them today, Father? Will you provide for them what they have need of this morning? Would you, would you give them 
whatever it is that will alleviate the, the material need in their life. I know you're able and I thank you in advance for doing it. And then God, I pray for those who have a spiritual need today. Lord, there may be those who have never accepted you as Lord and Savior. I pray that you would draw them close to you today and that you might save them and enter into their lives. For those who have been away from you, their journey has taken them away and, and, and they've created distance from you. I pray that you'll draw them back through and by your everlasting love. I pray that you'll do it for the glory of God. I thank you for who you are. I thank you that you have revealed yourself as Emmanuel, God, with us. And that today, no matter who we are, no matter where we go, no matter how old we are, no matter where we were born, no matter the color of our skin, none of that, that you will simply just let us feel the love of Christ through your body, the church. Father, I ask it in Jesus' lovely name.